0: Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Well, we are in part six of of series to the book of Romans, um, and we are taking that book and kind of breaking it out into uh, multiple different messages. It looks like the series is going to be about 14 weeks long so this is week number 6 so gear up hopefully you've been diving into it i'm really people have asked me what's the why behind it the why behind it's cuz i think people are confused about what the gospel is and i want to be very clear about what the gospel is in a world that's so confused Let's bring about the gospel. And then the second thing that I think is so crucial is I think people are, don't know what their identity is. We're under an identity attack. And so I'm going to bring about uh, the fact that I want our, our church to know who we are in Christ Jesus and how we're supposed to operate because of that new identity. So I've been um, starting this off. I give you five I am statements already. Uh, I am unashamed of the gospel. I am done with excuses. I am living by faith. I am made righteous. And then Pastor Matt did an unbelievably awesome job Uh, and I am suffering for a purpose and um, I'm going to continue it this week answering really uh, tackling probably one of the hardest messages of this whole series because we're going to talk about things that people don't like to hear about but it's a subject we all deal with and Paul addresses it Romans chapter 6 we're in week 6 chapter 6 let's dive right into it and it says it like this it says what shall we say then shall we go on sinning that grace may increase. Now let me just pause there for just a second, because he, he tells us earlier on, he says that man, we've, we've received this unbelievable grace. This grace that gives it, makes us justified. What does justified mean? It means just as if I had never sinned before. So you're given this grace. And you're justified. Then you're made righteous, meaning that you are in right standing with God. Now you have this whole new life, this whole new identity. And then he says, now because of that new identity, because of God's grace, should you just keep on sinning the way you were doing before? And he addresses it head on. Look what he says. in the next. He says, by no means. In other words, no way. There's no way. There's, this is no way that's what God wants you to do. We are those who have died to sin. And I want you to see those words right there. We've died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And some of you guys are going, "Yeah, I can live in it pretty easy." Uh, But we're going to dress that right away. Look at verse eleven. He continues to go in it this way. He says, "In the same way, I want you to count yourselves dead to sin." Say, "Dead to sin," sin. but alive to God in Christ Jesus. If you're taking notes, which you should be tonight, today, I want you to write it down. The sixth "I am" statement, and I'm going to talk to you today about, "I am dead to sin. I am dead to sin." your new identity—who you are in Christ—you are dead to sin. I want to bring about this this stance that we have now as believers. Now, if you grew up in a church, you probably got one of the two extremes off of this idea of sin. Now. Uh, I just want you to know we're we're not we're not weird about talking about sin at the church. I know some places it's like they don't mention sin. We have no problem talking about it. But if people ever talk to you, you go, well, I don't know about that church. They don't they don't ever talk about sin. You just send them this message because the whole message is on sin, okay? So we're we're gonna we're gonna address that head on. But there's kind of two extremes growing up. I grew up in the very strict, kind of legalistic side where everything was a sin. How many grew up in that kind of world? Like a little bit. Yeah, that's a lot of us here. I remember growing up, it's like everything was a sin. All all the music was a sin we break our, our CDs every day because they're all they're all bad we, we you know uh, all movies are a sin unless they're like really really like cheesy Christian into the world movies all the rest of them are a sin um, I mean, tattoos were a sin makeup was a sin um, I, I saw some people' I'm like it's a sin that you're not wearing makeup come on somebody I was joking I'm totally joking Th- that statement was a sin so like everything is a sin growing up I, I remember it was just like everything was wrong and here's here's how I kind of can sum it up it's basically like if it was fun <laughs> it was a sin. That was my life growing up. And, and so, what happens with that is you end up living a life where you're kind of on eggshells with God all the time. And you're, you're always like, I, I messed up again, I messed up again. And you're so unsure of your salvation, so what you end up doing is you keep, like, the cycle keeps going. So my church, we had, like, altar calls growing up. So an altar calls, like, where you wouldn't raise a hand, you would, like, come forward. And so every week, i come forward again and again and again. I and mean, I got saved 92 times because I just kept sinning. And I think it was all, all in this idea. I just didn't know who I was in Christ. So that's one extreme. Everything's like kind of a sin. Everything's an issue. Then there's the other extreme that everything is okay. God's grace is so big, we can do whatever we want. Uh, this was one of my relatives, I remember, because he, he it was coming towards the end of his life, and we were, we were around him a lot, and he was just the meanest person you've ever met. I mean, chain smoker, cussed all the time, always talked down to you, and just just an angry guy. So one time we finally had this crucial conversation with him, like, hey, you might die soon. Um, we're hoping, no, no, we're not hoping, we're not, I'm, I'm telling you, that was a sin too. So we're like, hey, you're, you're, you're coming into life, are you right with God? And he was like, he's like, oh, I don't talk about that stuff. No, we're like, no, we really need to know. Like, are you right with God? And he's like, he's like, of course I'm right with God. When I was in, when I was six years old, I walked down the aisle at my Baptist church. I filled out the commitment card, and I've been sealed. I'm good to go. We're like, you're holding on to this whole thing off of one decision at six years old. You've been living seventy years as a heathen the whole rest of the time. What's the issue? So, so what's, the, what's the real response of the two? So we're going to hit sin head on in this, in this message. So for, to talk about it, we have to first define what is sin. And the Bible gives us a definition of sin. And look what it says in 1 John. It says, everyone who breaks the law, in fact, um, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is, and he tells us right there, sin is lawlessness. So sin is the idea of doing whatever you think is right, whatever you think is okay, against god's law so let me break it down to you the greek word is this word and it's harmatia and i want you to write it down because i think it's important that you understand what did the original language mean when it comes to this word sin which we see all throughout the bible and it can be translated best as this phrase right here it simply means just missing the mark missing the mark so there's a plan there's a mark there's a there's a thing that god has for you in your life. And, and missing the mark is simply you're just going outside of that plan. So there's a way he wants you to do relationships. There's a way he wants you to have your attitude. There's a way that he wants to hand, you to handle your body. And then you miss the mark, but, and that, that is sin. So let me give you an extended definition. I'm giving you a little bit of meat today, and then we're going to dive right into it. I think it's important. Here's the extended definition. It's simply missing the mark. Sin is missing the mark, whether intentionally or unintentionally. So even if you don't know it's it's still it's missing the mark. That's why we got to figure out what God's plan is. Yes. Of God's moral and here's the word, ready? standard. Yes. There's a standard. And notice it's God's moral standard that's found in his word. Notice it's not our moral standard. Yeah. It's not what we think is okay. It's not what we, our friends say is okay. It's not even what your parents say is okay. It's definitely not what culture says is okay. It's the standard in God's law and anything outside of that, that's what sin is. So what's the big deal? You go, Aaron, and I hear this all the time. What, who, what, is, what does it matter if I live this way, if I do this? I'm not hurting anybody else. Why does, why does it matter if I sin or not? Why does God care? Here's five reasons. I'm going to give it to you really quick. Number one, it's because sin separates Sin separates. It'll separate your relationships. It'll separate you from joy. But more than anything, it'll separate you from God. The Bible says it like this, Isaiah 59. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. So we're disconnected from God and his purposes in our life because of sin. Here's your second one. I want you to write it down. is that sin not only separates, but sin, it leads to death. It leads to death. So it, it always, and I've said it this way for years, but I want you to get it. Sin always overpromises on fun and underdelivers on fulfillment. Wow. Come on. So it entices you with a good time, but it leaves you with death. And the Bible says this, look at James chapter one. He says it like this, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, so you got this desire, which we've all had this happen. It's conceived, it gives birth to what? To sin. And sin, when it's full grown, and some of y'all don't believe this yet, but you'll get it in the next few decades. Where you'll get to a place and you'll go, oh man, if I would have known how this thing would have ended up, I would have never started it this way. Because sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to what? Death. All right, it gives birth to death. Romans, uh, it says it, Paul says it in Romans 2. He says, for the wages of sin is what? It's death. So, so we understand sin separates. Sin leads to death. Number three, it's sin keeps us from God's best. Yeah, yeah. So when you live a life of sin, you're actually living a life subpar, and you're missing out on God's best in your life. I want to show it to you. Paul wrote it this way to the, uh, to the church in Galatia. He says the acts of the flesh, sin, are obvious. Now let's look at it because they might not be so obvious to you, so let's look at them. This is what he says sin is. It's sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, Alabama fans, hatred, discord. (laughs) It's in the original Greek, somewhere in there, all right. Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, cat owners, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Okay, so those are all things that are sin. He tells us what that is, okay? And then he says it this way, and he goes, and I warn you. Notice what he does. He doesn't say, hey, if it's, it's okay with you, do whatever you want to do. Please. No, he warns us. Why? As I did before, that those who live in sin will not inherit the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It's God's best for your life. It's God's plan for your life. So, so sin keeps us from God's best. Here's a fourth one. It sin traps the sinner. So we, we think we're in charge. We're not in charge. And I'm going to show you this one later on in the message. Look how Jesus said it. Jesus said it this way. Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So you're not in charge. Here's the last one. Ready? Sin is a counterfeit. Yeah. Come on. So it's not the real life that God has for you. It's a counterfeit life. And it's actually instituted by the devil himself because he wants to take you out. Look at what it says in 1 John 3. It says, the one who does what is, is sinful is of the devil. Yikes. All right. That's a big deal. And it says, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Why does he want to destroy their level's work? Because it's a counterfeit to what God wants to do in your life. So the devil's counterfeiting, why? Because he wants you to get a less of a great experience than what God has for your life. So here's the five, because I know some people want to take a picture of it. Look at that. Sin always separates us, it leads to death, it keeps us from God's mess, it traps the sinner, it is a counterfeit, and I think because of this reason that we need to get serious about being dead to sin and being alive in Christ. So so how do we do with this? How do we do this? He tells us what to do. Look what he said in Romans chapter six. He says, in the same way, count yourself dead to sin and alive in Christ. So alive to God in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to show you how to count yourself dead to sin, to live victorious over sin in your life. Three things. There are three statements that I try to live by and I think they'll help you. Here's the first one. Write it down in your notes this way. It's that my identity is no longer in sin It is in Christ. You only have two options in your life. You are in sin or you're in Christ. In sin, in Christ. And your default identity growing up is that we are born in sin. We believe this. This is part of the biblical message that we are born broken and fallen and messed up. And if you don't believe that because culture tells us that people are inherently good and that's wrong. And if you don't believe us, join the dream team and go serve in our toddler's room today. And you will realize that you can get around a two-year-old and that two-year-old did not have to be taught how to do evil. At least my five kids did not. What did they do? That came very natural for them. Why? Because we're born in sin. The Bible says it this way, Psalm 61. Surely I was sinful at birth. They might be cute, but they're evil. Just want you to get this. All right, love kids, love babies, but we're sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. That's the fact of how we're born in this world. Why is that? Paul puts theology behind it. Look at Romans chapter 5. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through, through sin, and in this way, death came to all people. How many people? All people. All people, because all sinned. So we have to understand that it, it carried on from Adam all the way down to you today that we've all gotten this thing called sin. Now, J.I. Packer says it this way. He's a theologian. I think there's a brilliant idea because we have our mind messed up when it comes to sin. He says the assertion of, of original sin makes the point that we are not sinners because we sin. Now, I want you to get that because most people go, well, I haven't messed up, so I must not be a sinner. No, no, no. He says, but rather we sin." because we are sinners born with a nature enslaved to sin you following that and he basically says there's no way out of it and of herself so you can't just act good enough to get yourself out of it because you'll always default back to sin because of our fallen nature so what's the solution to it that would be a really depressing thing if i didn't give you the solution but paul does romans chapter five but god I don't know about you. I love some but God statements. Everything feels lost but God. And look what he does. He demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still what? Broken. Sinners. Messed up. Disconnected. Enemies of God. Look what happened. Christ died for us. Can we give him some praise today church? That's good news. So how does that happen? His grace comes in. We put our faith in Christ, and when we give our, put our faith in him, his grace gives us that power to overcome, to become all that he's called us to be. And I want you to get this, because God's grace doesn't just simply address our issues, but it also changes our identity. And I want to show you this. This is so game changer that, that I hope you get today, because next Sunday, we're going to be celebrating baptisms in our, at our uh, church. Every service is going to be awesome, and some of y'all need to get baptized, but Paul shows us what happens at salvation in Romans chapter 3. We're going to pick up in verse 3. I mean, Romans chapter 6. We're going to pick up in verse 3, and I want you to look at it. I believe it's all in your notes, and I want you to follow along with it. It's a longer passage, but I want you to see this because it, it's a deep passage that I think is so substantial. He says, do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ, talking about people that got saved, he goes, you were baptized into cross, Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death he, he gives us this visual now he uses the word baptisms it's not the same baptism that we're going to be doing next week because the baptism next week is actually not what saves you the baptism he's talking about here is what saves us nobody gets saved because they got baptized in water they get saved because they had a baptism into christ's death before they get baptized in the water. So it's, 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 it's a messed up theology to think, well, if I go into the water, then I get saved. No, no, no. In the water is just a public declaration of an inward work that already happened in your life. So when you gave your life to the Lord, the Bible tells us what happens. You got baptized into his death. I want you to see this. Verse, three, for, verse four, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the father, we too may live a new life. No, it's not your old life improved. God's not in the life improvement business. No, he's saying, here's how you improve your life. You die, you're buried, and you're raised to new life in Christ. So it's a whole transformation. Look at verse 5. And when we end at verse 8, I want you to cheer really loud because it's a big deal. All right, ready? For if we had been united with him in death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in the resurrection like his. Wow. For we know that our old self was what? was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. So your body that's ruled by sin, when you give your life to Christ, it's crucified with him on the cross. Now that's like vicious language, but I want to show you how it works in your life. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. Can we give them some praise today, church? So, so follow me, okay? All right, we got our baptismal tank up here. Because what happens in the physical when people get baptized, is just a symbol, it's a sign of what happened in the spiritual. So we're going we're gonna to show you in the physical what happens in the spiritual when you give your life to Christ. So when you give your life to Christ, you put your, your commitment and you, you raise that hand or you have that moment and you say, God, I'm going all in. I'm going all in. Here's what you're doing. You're, 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 you're um, spiritually getting into the baptismal tank, which is your place of death. Now, this isn't filled with water because I love you, but I don't love you that much. Okay, so I'm honest. So this is your place where you come to die. So what is the symbolism? And listen, and I'm not trying to knock your tradition or what church you grew up in. But this is why I have a problem with the sprinkling business. Because the sprinkling business does not make sense biblically at all. Because what we see biblically is this idea, what Paul says right there in Romans chapter 6, is that there is, a, there is something that happens where we get baptized, we have a moment where we die to ourselves, we're buried, and we're raised to new life. So we come in, we give our life to Christ, and giving our life to Christ is not going, hey, I'm going to add God to my life. It's going, I'm giving my life to Christ, and that life is being crucified, and it's gone. So, my old self is gone. So, I come to Christ, and then what happens, he says, You don't just die with him, you're buried with him. So, let's have a moment. You ready? Let's bury it. All right. So, this is the day Aaron Burke got buried at Radiant Church, okay? So, all right, y'all see me there? All right, so one day you'll come to my funeral. I mean, I would be really old. So, um, and y'all will mourn a lot, but this is how I'm going to look. Okay, great. All right, this is kind of weird. All right, so we're buried. So what, is, what, what does it mean when we're buried? We're buried means that, that old life has no um, rights. It has no opinions. It has no say. Because once you're dead, it's, it's over, just once you know. So I'm buried. Now, that's why sometimes when I baptize people, I hold them under for a little longer than they need to. Because I want them to get the idea that, man, that that's, that's, it's gone. That old self... But here's the thing. It would be really depressing if we just died. But we don't just die. He says, now, if you, were, if you died with him, won't you also be raised with him to new life? And so we both go under the water. We are submerged. We are totally dead to ourselves. And then we bring you out of the water. And now you stand in victory because now you are given new life in Christ Jesus. Give them better praise today, church. That's the gospel. Because it wasn't enough for Christ to just die. He had to rise from the grave. And that's what happens in your life also. And then you walk out of here and you walk out. You came in in sin. You walk out in Christ. In sin, in Christ. It's only two options we have. So I just want to encourage you today. If you're living your life in sin, it's time to give your life to Christ. Die to yourself. Be raised again. And watch how you can walk out in Christ. Which by the way, if you've never gotten baptized, if you've never gone public with your faith, then here's my challenge for you. Get baptized next Sunday. Get baptized next Sunday. Because there's nothing like being in that water. And you go, well, Aaron, it's just a private thing that between me and God, that's nowhere in the scriptures at all. True. What needs to happen is that your testimony, whether it's only a sentence, your testimony of the fact that you've died to yourself and you're giving yourself to a new life in Christ Jesus needs to be shown in front of your church family. And for years, people have fought me, even people on this staff have fought me and go, Aaron, please, let's do it outside of a Sunday. Let's do it where it's in, in some other room that's smaller and won't take up people's time. And I go, no way. I want the whole church to celebrate the life change because this is what it's all about. It's about the fact that lives can be transformed when they come to Jesus. And I want, you to live, I want you to understand your new identity. I'm taking too long on this point, but I want you to get this. Because if you don't understand who you are in Christ, you will continue to live in sin. The, the, actually, the phrase in Christ is mentioned 164 times in Paul's 13 epistles. It's not in your notes, but I think that's important to know. Why? It's almost like Paul's continually saying, hey, you're in Christ, you're in Christ, you're in Christ. But I I, I feel like I used to be. Who cares how you used to be? You're in Christ now. That's who you are. That's why he writes in 2 Corinthians. He says, therefore, if anybody is in Christ, he goes, "the the new creation has come and the old is gone. The new is here. This is a new life that God has given you. And I think we should celebrate the fact that we have been given a new identity in Christ Jesus. Come on. Number two. How do, we, how do we live free? How do we walk according to this new identity of being dead to sin? Here's the second one. He said, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm a servant of Christ. Yes. So this is another tactic, another strategy. And Paul addresses this head on and changes. Because listen, not only does your life need to change, your boss needs to change. Because some of you, you're living your life. You're going. I want a new name, but you you don't just need a new nature. You need a new commander in your life. Wow. You need a person that you, you you're already you've lived your life a slave to to sin, and now you think, okay, now I'm totally free. No, no, no. There's never a time you're absolutely free. Once you to get this, you're always a slave to something. So you're either going to be slave to sin or slave to Christ. And I'm going to challenge you today, the way you overcome sin is to own the fact that, you know what, I don't belong to myself, I belong to Christ now. Understand this about sin, because sin is a terrible boss. I wrote it down this way, sin is a ruthless master disguised as a fun-loving friend. You remember that friend you had in college, like you always come over, she would always come over like late at night, woo, let's go party, woo. Let's skip school today. Come on, let's go to Disney. woo Some of y'all are like, I'm with that friend right now. Like that friend. <laughs> Some of y'all are that friend to everybody. All right, all right. So here's what I realized. We had that friend in college. And I mean, always like just massive issues. And what we realized is, you know, the person was kind of, kind of a loser. Now, I don't mean loser like bad. That sounds bad. But he like, was not doing well in academics and life. And what you realize is when you're not doing well, here's what you want to do. You want to kind of take everybody down with you so you feel better about yourself. So I just want you to know that's how the enemy's working. Wow. The enemy comes to you disguised as, let's have a blast. Let's have a good time. But in reality, the behind the scenes is the enemy is going down. He's already defeated. He's on a path towards hell. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to take all of you guys down with him right now. So what does he do? He entices you with sin. That's why we tell you all the time that sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll always keep you longer than you want to stay. And it's going to always cost you more than you want to pay. So there's a lot of you guys, you're sitting there and you're playing with it. And God's saying, hey, listen, remember you're dead to that in your life. You've got a new master. You've got a new boss. So don't live according to the sin because it's going to destroy your life. That's why Paul says it this way. Look at this. He says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil uh, desires. Now, look at that verse, okay? He's telling Christians it's your choice if you want sin to reign in your body or not. Wow. Okay, now let me say this statement. It's not on my notes, but it's a game changer. Ready? It's simply this idea that before you're saved, sin is your default. After you're saved, sin is your decision. Wow. Wow. Whew, that's good preaching today. Thank you, Pastor. It's your default before salvation. It's your decision after. And there's a lot of people that you have to understand. When you get this perspective in your mind, you understand, wait, wait, wait. I don't have to live according to that anymore because now I have a choice. Because I'm now dead to sin and I'm alive in Christ. So Radian, how do we deal with this, ready? It's don't manage your sin, murder it. Murder it, kill it, take it out of your life. By the way, when Paul addresses sexual sin, he never tells us to fight sexual sin. He tells us to flee from sexual sin. Why? Because you're not going to win that fight. Run away from it as far as possible. Get it out of your life as far as possible. Why? Because sin, we're not going to allow it to reign in our life. Look at verse 13. I'm, I'm almost done, but I'm telling you this is important to hear. Verse 13. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. Do you hear that? Like don't offer your life as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God. You were offered to this world. Now offer yourself to God. And it says it like this, who have been, um, as those who have been bought, brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So I come to the Lord and say, God, I'm no longer controlled by sin. I'm controlled by you. Well, I still feel controlled by sin. It doesn't matter. I'm going to be controlled by God. I'm giving my life to him today. And I'm gonna control, he's going to control every part of me. So here's why, because you got to understand this. Because Christ is both your savior and your leader. On, now, the Christian word for that word leader is actually the word Lord. But we, we use the word Lord almost sometimes because we think of it as like some distant person later on in life, or some castle somewhere that's in control. <laughs> no, 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 he's your leader today. Yes. So let me tell you what this means. He, he, he's my savior because he saves me from sin. And he, he does. He saves you from sin, and you are washed clean. That's what Romans chapter one, ver, chapter one through chapter five have all been about. But chapter six says, "Listen. Not only are you saved from sin, but now you need Him as your leader. And here's what a leader does. A leader is always going to lead you into victory. Come on. So He saves me from sin, and He leads me into victory." So how do I do this? I live a life free. Here's why. Because I'm completely submitted to a new master. And that new master is not my addiction. It's not some some, um, issue in my life. It's not some feeling. It's not some lust. No, my new master is Jesus. He's in charge. And I am totally submitted to him. Let Let me give you one more. Verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. What a great verse right there. What did he say? You are slaves of God. Now that's a very harsh term, the word slave right there. And let me just tell you, it's translated as harsh as can be. You know what that means? Because you know what it is like to be a slave to sin. You know what it's like to say, I'm never going to do that again. And you do it again. You know what it's like. Now imagine that same kind of power, but even greater towards God himself. Now, even though I don't feel like following Him, I have to because I'm so attached. I'm so gripped. I'm so passionate about it. I'm going to be a slave to God, and I'm going to honor Him with my life. That's how we live dead to sin. Can I hear a better amen today, church? By the way. I've got a couple minutes. I think this is so important to tell you. Because I'm going to give you one of my best strategies for overcoming temptation. This might be the nugget of truth that will help you. Because sin is always going to attack. It's always going to attack. It's always going to try to drag you back to your old nature. But Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want you to see this, this verse. He says it like this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. What does that mean? What he's saying is what you're going through, somebody else has gone through before. So that's why? You should go into a small group. That's why you should have godly friends. Because let me tell you, you're, you're not the first person to deal with this. All right. So you might feel crazy. You're not crazy. And he says it like this. And that's a good place for some of y'all to say amen. <laughs> I mean, that was the big epiphany right there you got. And he says, and God is faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now, I have had moments of extreme temptation where I brought this to God going, hey, you, you were lying here. <laughs> You were lying here, like it's too much. But I didn't read the rest of the verse. You gotta always read the rest of the verse. Look what it says. But when you are tempted, here's what you should look for. He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So in your temptation, here's what he says you should pray. Don't pray for power during it. Pray for the strategy to avoid it. Like, like there's a way out always. So when you're battling that addiction, when you're battling that issue, here's it. Here's what you pray. You say, God, would you highlight to me the way out? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the way out is a phone call to a good friend. Yeah. Maybe a way out's leaving the environment you're in. Maybe a way out. Hear me out. It's turning off your cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. It stops scrolling. Maybe, maybe your way out is that you just walk away from the conversation so you don't say something that's going to destroy you right there. Well, you, There's a way out, and God will provide a way out. Let me give you a funny story. I was 17 years old, and I got saved, and I was, uh, like, really, really passionate about the Lord. But I started talking to this girl on AIM. How many remember the AIM days? Come on, somebody. I had, I had some AIM game. So um, I remember talking to this girl on AIM, and she, she went to the church, and so we started talking, and she uh, acted all godly, okay, she was not godly. So anyway, she said, hey, do you want to go to this dance? We're doing like this, this, this teen dance thing, whatever. I was like, oh, sure. So I went and I picked her up. And uh, I never went on dates. Like, this is a big deal. So I went and picked this girl up. And I go and take her to this thing. And this girl transformed on the dance floor from Miss Pure Nice Girl to Crazy Girl, if you know what I'm talking about. I mean, she was like busting out all the moves. All the moves. I ain't seen most of those kind of moves ever in my life. So... I'm sitting there, I'm just like this pure little, you know, 17-year-old kid, passionate about Jesus, trying to live holy, and this girl's just like, you know, making the moves. Okay, you got the idea. Y'all remember those days in the 90s, okay? So um, she, 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 it was not good. So I remember praying, I remember going, God, this is not good. I said, this is, this is not good, my purity's going out the window, this is not good. So I had to take this girl back home. So I went to go take her back home, but I knew I was like, I'm, I, I said, if, I, if I'm not careful, I said, I'm going to mess up. Like, this is, this is not good. So, and she was making all these hints and all this stuff, and I was like, oh, this is not going to be good. So I remember the verse from 1 Corinthians. I remember that verse. That was the verse that I stood on, that when I'm tempted, God will always provide a way of escape. And I didn't know the way of escape. So I prayed. I remember praying in that car ride, going, God, would you provide a way of escape? Provide an out, provide an out, provide an out. And I remember pulling up to her house, and when I pulled up to her house, there was already cars in the drive through so driveway, so I can't, I couldn't get into the driveway. So I was like, okay, great, great. There's there's no way I can pull in there, and then I'm stuck. And so I was like, I'll pull to the curb and then I'll try to like get her out. And as soon as I pulled to the curb, the light came on and her mom walked out. And I was like, Oh God, you're good. <laughs> you're good. This is my way of escape. And, and, and she kind of like looked at me, like, you know, we'll kind of wait around and I lean over towards her and she's thinking I'm making a move, but I'm not making a move. I'm leaning over towards her and I'm grabbing the door handle from her side. I popped it open, popped the door open. I said, well, it's a fun night. I'll see you later. She got out. I drove off. I escaped and i remained remain pure to God be the glory. When you're tempted, ask the Lord. Say, God, provide that way. Remember, he's our master. He's in charge. And he will always lead you into victory if you listen to him. Can you give him better praise today, church? Are y'all learning something today at church? Number three, let's, let's finish it with this. When I am tempted to give in to sin, I will reach out and receive God's grace. And this is so crucial. When I'm tempted to give in, and we all are at times. We're tempted to go back to that old nature, that old lifestyle that has been crucified. But we're tempted to go back to it. So here's what we do. We reach out and receive God's grace. Look what he says in verse 14. We'll end it with this. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but you are under what? Now that doesn't mean you're under this idea that you can just, you're, you're forgiven, do whatever you want. Paul already addressed that. Because we don't know what grace is. We think grace is this idea that we can just do whatever we want. Write it on your notes. Grace is not permission to sin. Grace is the power to live free. It's to live free. The same grace that saved you is the grace that will sanctify you and sustain you. So you go to that grace whenever you're tempted. That, that's why the best thing you can do when you're weak is to worship. Why? Because when I'm weak, I come to him yeah, yeah. and i receive received strength and I've received grace yes. to overcome this battle within me, which is a battle we all have. So I can't take enough time and take time and do it. But all of chapter six and all chapter seven, Paul wrestles with this idea of us dealing with sin. So if you have time, read chapter seven is phenomenal. Um, but I've preached on it many times before. It won't be part of this series. But in chapter seven. He gives us this battle with his flesh. And y'all have heard the, the passage probably before where he says, The things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. It re- reminds us of ourselves, right? And we get to this place of defeat. And he says this statement in chapter 7. This is the last verse we'll share today. He says in verse 24, He says, What a wretched man I am. Don't you feel like that? You, you give into the sin, you're going, Man, I messed up again. And then he says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Who will rescue us? And a lot of you are sitting there going, well, I hope my pastor rescues me. I hope my friend rescues me. I hope my parents rescue me. I hope my, my sibling rescues me. None of them can rescue you from your sin. And he says it like this, but thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. When you are tempted, Don't run from God, run to God. Don't sit there and wait. Have a moment of worship. And when you worship, something happens where the grace of God enters the equation and gives you the strength and the power to sustain you, to live dead, to sing. Come on, stand to your feet. Can you give God a little bit more praise today, church? So here's what I want you to do. With with nobody moving around, let's have a moment right now, because let's be real. Some of you, you're in the midst of that attack, you're in the midst of that battle, you're in the midst of that war right now, and you feel it, it's overwhelming to you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to reach out and receive God's grace right now. Not a grace to do whatever you want, a grace to live powerful, to overcome every temptation, every issue, every setback. He will give you that grace. Come on, why don't you do, just do me a favor? If you feel comfortable, come on, stretch that hands towards heaven. And as Jocelyn leads us, let's have a moment where we receive God's grace, where we press into Him, and we receive power to live dead to sin and alive in Christ. Come on, let's sing it out. second there's one more group and you're you're dead to you're dead in your sin you're living your life for yourself you're separated from god and this is your moment to sur- submit your life to christ from going in sin to being in christ how do you do it you put your faith in him right now you're going to make a decision to say god i don't just give you my sin i'm going to give you my life i'm going to give you my past i'm going to give you my future you're my savior but you're also my leader you're in charge of my life so if that's you with with every eye closed, every head bowed, let's have a moment between you and God. You go, Aaron, today's my day. I wanna give my life to Christ. Today's my day. I'm submitting my life to him. On the count of three, I want you to throw that hand up, wave it at me. We're not gonna embarrass you, but this is a private decision that is gonna change your life forever. And then eventually you're gonna take it public with water baptism, and that's gonna change your whole life. But right now, this is where it starts, right here in this moment. Ready, one, count of three, you throw the hand up, two, Three, come on, throw that hand up right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, so many people. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you at all of our campuses right now. Why don't you do this? Why don't we all pray this prayer out loud together? Say, Dear Jesus, come on, say it loud. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life, I give you my sin, my past, and my future. For the rest of my life, I'm going to follow you. Forgive me, wash me clean give me a fresh start. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, can we celebrate right now just like heaven is for all those who just made the best decision ever. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.